0: welcome to bullet points on vital draft i'm your host tony ashcraft joining me today the armed the lovely joanna wilson
1: good afternoon
0: hey we got some good stuff to talk about and uh, a great guest on the phone as well uh joanna tell us about who we got
1: we have deb ferns i was very fortunate enough to meet her um gosh was it um she never quit when i met you deb or babes with bullets Yep. Okay, so no, yeah. I think she never quit. She never quit. So I've, I've I've known her for a couple years, very active in getting in women involved in the shooting industry, outdoors, you name it. She's getting organizations going and pulling people in all across the country. So she has a lot of input and um she knows a lot of people. So she's
0: yeah, Deb's got some good stuff to share with us. We're going to get to the firing line uh, first, and uh, and Deb's, I think, is going to chit-chat with us on the firing line a little bit. But a couple of things I wanted to cover. You know, last week during the middle of our show, uh, we found out that there was an active shooter at YouTube. And ironically enough, this was after we were talking about, on last week's show, about YouTube uh, taking down uh, gun videos and uh, anything related to firearms and, and what a big load of crap we thought that was. So I thought, you know, man, as soon as I heard this active shooter thing, I thought, oh, no, we're never going to hear the end of it. Well, it turns out we did hear the end of it pretty quickly. And why do you suppose that is? Because it turned out to not be a white Christian male. And let's be honest that's that 's what it i 'll tell you what if it was somebody that looked just like me they 'd still be talking about it. They would still be talking about what a a gun toting hate filled white privileged guy I am. No, it turned out not to uh, not only not be a male it was a female and it was a Muslim female and it wasn 't a man it was a vegan i 'm not sure if there 's a distinction there, but i just <laughs> like to throw that out there but anyway, so it was a vegan and uh i, I, I so uh, I guess she got—I guess she got a little upset with YouTube because of uh, something about commercial royalties. I guess they get paid from uh, from ads running on there, and they they dipped into her fundage a little bit. So that pissed her off. So she thought it would be a good idea to uh, to get a firearm and go up there and have a chat with some folks. And uh, well, it didn't end well for her. And I say good, but you know that that active shooter thing hit the news hard Tuesday. Pretty much by the end of the day on Wednesday, it was done. It was gone, and I haven't heard. They silenced it quick, right? Not a peep about it. It's not interesting. It doesn't fit their narrative, so so they don't want to share it with us. But that is a um, that is just a a, another example of um, media hypocrisy when it comes to things like this. You know, I think if um, and there are people, there are people that are that do take a gun and do want to shoot up a workplace or a school or whatnot and i think it doesn't matter who that person is you know if you act uh uh you know in an unlawful manner then you should get an equal light shined on you regardless of what your background is if you're male female white christian it doesn't matter what you are if you do wrong you do wrong And the media should give just as much attention to one thing as they do another, but they don't, again, because it doesn't fit their narrative. And speaking of media hypocrisy, our buddy de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, comrade de Blasio of New York City. Now, this is interesting, and this is one thing I'm surprised didn't hit the news. Maybe it didn't. I just didn't see it, but uh, um, I try to keep up with these things. So he has an assistant uh, that works in his uh, Department of Justice office there in uh, New York City and for those of you not familiar with de Blasio he hates guns he hates guns and he hates real food and uh, he hates big drinks and he hates all kinds of stuff so he knows better than we do anyway so he's uh, uh, he's really after gun control and um, ironically enough he has a a woman her name is Reagan Stevens and uh, she works in his office there and uh, Ms. Stevens is 42 years old, makes $90,000 a year, and here recently was found in a parked SUV with two other males, one 25 years old, one 24 years old, so about half her age. The SUV reportedly, this is from the New York Post, was reported to reek of weed. So uh, you kind of wonder what they're doing. So these two guys that she was with both had criminal records. Both had knives on them, so they were arrested and booked for a uh, a weapons violation and uh, also interestingly enough, in the vehicle, there was a loaded nine millimeter pistol, one spent shell casing, and uh, most importantly, the serial number on the pistol was defaced
1: and these guys were felons, correct?
0: yeah, well, that's why the- I don't know if they had felony records, but they had criminal records that were you know uh, that were violent offenses. So they, they shouldn't – I mean, to the point that they shouldn't – they got arrested for having the knives. They got booked on that. So if they shouldn't have had a knife, they damn sure shouldn't have had a gun. And for those of you who don't know, and I don't know who doesn't know, apparently this chick didn't know, but it is not a uh, just an offense in the city of New York to have a serial number scratched off a weapon. That is a federal offense. That in and of itself is a federal charge. You cannot deface the identity of a firearm. You just cannot. There is no scenario – uh, it, 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 there, you just don't. You can't. And uh, how it got in there, and of course, none of the three of them, uh, uh, you know, copped to the ownership of the weapon. I guess they. Oh, well, I don't know where it came from. Yeah, it was in your car. Somebody knows where the damn thing came from. but It just didn't magically appear in there. And uh, the other thing that is kind of, kind of uh, uh, a little bit concerning is that um, the reason that the police made contact with uh, this vehicle to begin with is uh, they have microphones in New York City that are set up to detect gunshots. And uh, it, the uh, the microphone system detected five shots in the area that this SUV was parked in. Uh, police noticed the SUV double parked and, again, made contact. And uh, and Ms. Stevens was in there up to something. I was going to say up to no good. I don't know what she was doing. I wasn't there. But uh, the evidence doesn't indicate that, that she was doing anything that she should have been doing. But... Um, this is another one of those things we see so often. It is just hypocritical. I mean, how can you have a defaced' it, just so, there's nothing wrong I, I mean there's nothing right with that whole scenario. smells like weed that's not right she's in she's a works for the city government in uh, in New York city, largest city in the United States, most populous city in the United States for a mayor that advocates gun control and anti-violence, and everything's going to be okay if we just take the guns away. And this crazy chick has a defaced 9 millimeter with a spent shell casing, two guys with criminal records holding knives, and the SUV smells like weed. This sounds like something that happens at Snoop Dogg's house, not in New York City, for somebody out of the mayor's <laughs> office.
2: Oh, okay. well, Tony, I have to tell you, you know, this is coming on with my many, 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 many years ago of uh, being on The View with Rosie O'Donnell, and um, I, love I will that tell dude. you the interesting I love part that of, dude. Oh, yeah, well, it was very, very interesting, because, of course, you know it's taped in front of my audience, and um, I was curious why she hated guns so much, but 90 days before I went on the show, her two bodyguards were given through the Superior Court in New York City uh, the right to carry so that bodyguards could have firearms in New York City. Wow. And, um, and so it's never one of those things, Tony, where what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, Rosie O'Donnell lives a whole different life, right? Um, so her kids and her life are way more important than anybody else's, um, but she's so anti-anti-gun. Now you got a mayor from New York, anti-anti-anti-gun, but look at his staff. And don't you think sometimes it trickles from the top down? Yes.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, New York, for for those unfamiliar with New York City, the the uh, the New York state is difficult enough to get a gun in. And if I remember correctly, the city of New York has even further restrictions on gun ownership and gun licensing. So I would make the argument that the uh, somebody that's a resident of the city of New York to get a permit to carry has got to be among the most difficult places in the U.S. to actually legally possess a firearm and carry one. And so, uh, so Rosie's folks. Uh,
2: unless you're Rosie, you Rosie O'Donnell.
0: Yeah, unless you're Rosie O'Donnell, then I guess uh, uh, that makes it easy. That makes it easy. Isn't uh, Ro- uh, Rosie yeah. Rosie and Trump are friends, aren't they? No, that's not a thing.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm just, I, I, no, I, I'm,
0: I think I'm, it's Roseanne, I'm not
2: so much, and not her and Tom Selleck either, or anything else. But no. but it it just points out like what did you just say? The hypocrisy.
0: Yeah, yes. that's it exactly, and that happens so often, and uh, that I think that that that's a big turnoff. I've always said that if somebody wants to make a logical, sensible argument, even if it's one that I do not agree with, that's fine. Come from a place of logic. At least let me understand how you got to the position that you're in before you tell me what I ought not do when you can't even follow your own damn rules. You're going to get up on a soapbox and tell me that you know better than I do. Really? Yeah. Because no, no, the, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you at all. And, uh, it, the, the hypocrisy thing just over and over. I mean, there's so many examples just beyond, um, uh, you know, beyond firearms, beyond the second amendment, um, the, uh, the left and the Hollywood elites and, uh, I'll include um, that guy Rosie in that as well. Uh, it it just—it's uh, ridiculous. It happens over and over again. There's a ton of examples. Uh, yeah, I, just, I don't know. What or to say our elected anymore.
1: officials in government. How many of them are carrying a gun, but they're out there going anti-gun, but they have them.
0: You know, yeah, there's a lot of them. I, yeah. Mean, I think.
2: Yeah. Or, or, or more importantly, their bodyguards are armed.
0: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Right.
2: So it just go—it goes on and on. You know, this is uh, back old geez. Um, Joanna knows one of my instructors named Lisa Munson. And Lisa Munson and I went out to uh, teach a private course of Jody Foster out in California and Peru uh, to teach a private course to Jody Foster and her production crew. And um, uh, it was an interesting three days to spend. And Jody, very bluntly, anti-gun. And I said to her, okay, it's anti-gun, but you live in a compound and you yourself have made millions of dollars, millions of dollars, uh, Panic Room just being one of many, right, on shows that are all about guns. No different than Matt Damon and all the rest of them. Yep. Yep. And she said, well, that's just that's just, um, that's just TV. No. And I said, no, that's what you portray on TV. That's what you stand for. Mm-hmm. You stand for somebody that takes care of your problem that's with a right. gun. Mm-hmm. You take millions of dollars to make that stand, and yet you're anti gun you know when when it comes time to talk about it, Juliana Moore is no different. You know it's it's fine to take millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, but then they're going to turn around. I mean, how many times have we seen Matt Damon in it in a movie with guns? Yeah. I, I can't count on my two hands.
0: Yeah, the whole uh, uh, born identity, born conspiracy, born supremacy. Um, no, yeah. no,
2: I I, I I I just I just do not. Um, I just don't, I defy it anymore. I just, I look at it and hypocrisy is one word, but I guess they really genuinely believe the American population is so stupid that we don't understand that they go into this to make millions of dollars, and yet they show their true selves when they're asked for their opinion on firearms.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of that, uh, that holier-than-thou attitude that a lot of them have. It's okay for us to do it but but we don't want you doing it because we know better than you. We're smarter than you.
1: Who's listening to them? I mean, who God. listens to... Well, must be a lot of people because if a lot of people weren't listening, Joanna, why would we
2: have so many people that wanted Hillary to get in?
0: Deb is joining us today. We were talking to her a little bit earlier. And, uh, and she has had just a, a wealth of experience in shooting, especially in... Uh,
1: and she came in later to it, right, Deb? You were later yeah, in life I shot exposed. A, I shot a handgun the uh, first
2: time at 45 years of age, and, and started three gun is... competitions, which I think might have been where you and I originally met, Joanna. Okay. When I was in my 50s, and then um, started hunting when I now that I'm in my 60s. So I'm I, I came into it later in life, but I have to tell you, it's been a Fun
0: ride. Hey, Deb. A fun ride. Deb, I'm, I, let me apologize ahead of time, but uh, do you mind if we ask how old you are now?
1: I'm 64.
0: 64 And she years is old.
1: going after it. She's and starting still, all kinds of stuff. And still
0: getting after it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So you yeah. got started when you were 45? That was when you shot your first gun?
2: I got started when I was 45 years old, and then I, I had a huge blessing in my life. At 45 years of age, I was... I was trying to get used to being, you know, my husband was traveling for business. Our daughters were off to university. I did not like it when the air conditioner or the heater would go on and off. I would think people were breaking in the house. I don't know why. Don't ask me why, Tony. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But I'm living alone for the first time in my whole life. didn't like it. Decided to get a gun. And um, then when I was 50, I decided that if I was going to have a gun, it was a smart thing to practice with it. And I had a uh, God-driven moment where I met Kay, Clark Michalik, Kay Mm Michalik, and Lisa Munson, and um, they took me in for training, and um, when it was all done in April of 2004, when it was all done, I looked at them and said, there are so many women like me in America that do not know how to handle a firearm, but we'd like to know, we just don't want anybody yelling at us. (laughs) And they said, if you build camps... Where it's not women coming, we will come and teach them. And that was 14 years ago, and almost 6,000 women ago.
1: Wow. Yeah, this woman's an organizer. She gets yeah. people together. Deb, you're,
0: <laughs> you know what? We we've had some other other folks in, uh, you know that that have a I don't want to say a similar history, but women.
1: She knows Sheila McKinney. She works with her. Oh, with her that's t- right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sheila yeah. was on here, but. You know, her story is very similar to yours. Yeah, and later on. Yeah, and women starting later on and, and getting into it. but too. Yeah, getting in it and getting after well, it. Well, and,
2: you know, and Sheila McKinney, just so you know, Tony, the way she got started shooting was based with bullets several years ago. Yes. And then she went back and just did more and more and more on her own. Then, of course, you know, Joanna, she did the, um, she's on my board of directors for the Women's Outdoor Media Association. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she just won uh, Ammo and now Attitude. Season eight. And, of course, two years ago, she won American, uh, the uh, Top Woman for American Marksman. Marksman.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, she's so, getting after it. So you started yep. organizing the Babes with Bullets, uh, was it, I guess, 15 years ago? Is that what what you're saying? Yeah, uh,
2: April of 2004. In fact, it was uh, very early April of 2004, so 14 years ago. And um, I met uh, Lisa first, and that was 15 years ago. So uh, with Bullets for me was, um, it was just, it was a passion. I mean, it's a very busy hobby because I still work for the railroad, um, organizing big events for the Railroad Association. Uh, my husband says, don't give up your day job. Tony would know exactly <laughs> what I mean. You don't want to give up the day right. job. Um, but baseball Bullets is um 10 camps a year, our big, big foundation sponsor since 04 has been Smith & Wesson. Um, mm-hmm. They give us all the guns. We have all the guns, all the holsters, uh, eye and ear protection from Howard Light. So basically a woman walks into camp, never having been to a gun range before. She just has to bring her own clothes and a willing, a willing attitude, and we loan her everything else. So she can have three days of shooting with 600 rounds and figure out if this is something she'd like to do.
0: Wow. That's amazing, and, and we've often said it in talking to, uh, to other folks that have been on here um, that I think there are there are so many women out there. I mean, you know, guys, it's kind of a given thing. I mean, if a guy wants to learn how to shoot and he doesn't know any other guys that, that shoot, um, you can always find somebody. You can always do it. I mean, guys don't have this sort of preconceived notion of, i you know they don't know where to to where to learn they sort of always find a buddy to do it with but women for for some reason are a little bit different i don't know how that uh how that comes out yep. but um uh but it's great and i mean the stories are just so parallel mm-hmm. you know in everybody that we've talked to you know starting late in life didn't know they can do it so you said i'm gonna go back to your your first um uh your first experience with a firearm so you said 45 years old so what was the first handgun you own? What did you, what'd you buy? What was your first gun?
2: Well, so um, I walk in the door with my husband. It's my 45th birthday, and he tells this lady gun um, owner, you know, a gun manager, her name was Liz Maddie, and he said, my wife is looking for a gun, and I think she should look at this. This, you know." He points out five of them. Liz Maddie very nicely says to my husband, um, you picked out guns that are too big for her. So why don't you go look at the other parts of the store, and I'll help her find a gun she likes, right? And um, at that point in time, I ended up with a um, a little, by the time we were done, two hours later, I ended up with a little Sig, you know, P229, a little 9mm Sig. Uh, felt very good in my hand. I and Sigs. from there, um, I, I, just, I just kept accumulating more and more firearms, more and more guns, and... Um, and it was really about how does it feel in my hand, and now of course, being that I compete a lot, it's all about how does it feel in my hand, how does the trigger work for me, how do the sights work for me? I mean, I'm and, and bluntly, Joanna will know this. Um, does all the equipment fit me? And I don't mean just the gun. I mean, t- Tony, when we started this back, you know, now 14 years ago, there was no mm-hmm. such animal as a drop and offset holster so that women did not have to wear holsters that came out near their armpits. Right. So when we worked with Blade Tech originally, we said we want something that drops down and sits out. So if a woman is busted, she can still <laughs> yeah. grab yeah. the gun and compete with it. So, I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the last 14 years now. Um, I pretty much shoot a, um, a Smith & Wesson 9mm for production, and then I I carry... Uh, Not one, but I carry, in my motorhome, I carry three carry guns because I have a 170-pound dog that doesn't want to get out of the way, Tony. So you never (laughs) know. Oh, man. And and Julianna's met my master. Yes. And so uh, do you need the the carry gun that's in the back of the motorhome, in the middle, or in the front?
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, Wow. Oh, (laughs) very prepared, I would say to say the least. Well,
1: yeah. you, You've also been in circumstances, right, where you were approached by, it was illegals, right? They were trying to sell the van. Well, that's
2: because we live 38 miles from the, two, you know, we live in Tucson. I live south of Tucson. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I only live less than an hour's drive away from the Mexican border. And when you run a big dude ranch, which is what we're running at that time, um, unfortunately, everybody always says to me, oh, well, don't worry, they're just coming for water. When they come across your property, they're just coming for water. And there was one instance, this is going back in there years ago, where Tony, they weren't just coming for water. Um, it's three of them that came at me at the same time while mm-hmm. we were finishing up a wedding meaning cleaning up. All the wedding guests are gone, and I'm just cleaning up is what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Closing up the pavilion for the night. And, um, and bluntly, my, um, you know, my, was, my dog wasn't stopping them. And th- that really amazed me, is that people would not stop when they saw a big monster dog. So I got my carry gun, and I told them to get down, and the three of them kept coming. And I thought to myself, now I figured out what they were doing. They were coming after the uh, minivan I had parked at the edge of the driveway. And between you and me, I still feel maybe they would have killed me, but my minivan was going to be gone, and I was going to be in Hertzville. So it was just easier to, to let them know why I'm business, and I wanted them to get down on the ground and wait for Border Patrol to come pick them up. And everybody later said, "Oh, they were just coming for water." Tony, I'm not buying
0: it. Yeah, and that's that's I, not I, a chance you can take. I'm not take. buying it. No, that's that's not a chance that any one of us uh, should ever take. I mean, if somebody is on your property no. approaching you, ignoring commands, ignoring a large dog, I mean, obviously there's more intent than uh, "Hey, I'm thirsty." And my guess is they probably passed a good bit of water on their trip on the way over there, anyway. So,
1: but her gun is what saved her, <laughs> yeah. or possibly the van from yep. being stolen. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, what happened? Did they? Uh, did those guys get arrested?
1: Yep. And I mean, I
2: I just feel like uh, we are so I travel all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a large part because of my job, Tony. Right. Uh, but in a large part because I've done world shotgun or world rifle, and you know, Joanna's very familiar with a lot of those. Okay. But bottom line is I've traveled throughout the world, and when I hear American women tell me um, that they're treated bitterly in this country and, they, you know, blah, 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 I have to tell you, it, it, it makes my left eye twitch because <laughs> I've been in a lot of countries.
1: probably does, too. Well, yeah. I've
2: been in a lot of countries, Tony, where um, even countries in Europe where, as a woman, I'm not allowed to sign myself into the gun range. I've got to go get a man. To sign me into the gun range. Wow. And uh, and I just tell women if you know if you don't understand how lucky you are to be born a woman in this country, how blessed you are, you need to go spend some time in China. You need to go spend some time in India. Heck, go spend some time in Croatia where I just was. The the women in this country. I'm not saying it's perfect, Tony. I'm saying they do not realize how blessed they are to be here. Yeah.
0: Well sure and it's all about perspective and I think yours is uh, yours is unique in that uh you have had some some travels be and some to experiences. you been able to shoot guns
1: all over the world. Yeah, and you get shoot yeah. guns all
0: over the world, but but you're right. I think um uh it's not just women here. It's it's men too unfortunately, but uh, the population by and large um they they whine and they bitch and they complain about this and that. And they
1: want you to take their rights away.
0: Yeah, and then they uh they want yeah they want to take the rights away from the rest of us because they can't uh they can't manage themselves as an adult and it's uh it's pretty it's pretty pathetic but um yeah i I think that uh well it's good i mean I hope that you uh uh i hope you continue to share that story you know women in other countries and and uh you know how things really are compared to uh what they are here in the United States because i I do indeed well, believe and-
2: I think, Google, you know, Google Goliath. I wrote an article for our Women's Outdoor Media Association. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing against Ted Nugent because I've done a lot of radio with Ted. Um, but Joanna and I and the rest of us uh, women, we would like to hear more stories about women like Joanna, like, you know, Sheila McKinney. You know, we love hearing those stories because it just validates the fact that that women in firearms and elsewhere, you know, women's interest in this is growing. And I wrote an article um about on women's outdoor media about google goliath because you brought it up tony you brought it up you know that it's such a it's such a manipulative um narrative and that's the way i look at it It's such a manipulative uh, narrative and it's google's way or facebook way or youtube way or no way right right and 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 i gotta tell you tony i have a huge problem with that because there are similarities between what google and YouTube and social media does. And what Hitler did when he decided he was going to burn all the books that he didn't agree with. Yep.
0: Yeah. It, and it, it's
1: in plain sight. And yep. these people are saying, yes, yes. It's that's absolutely insane. It's it's mind-blowing yeah. to see what's yeah. going on.
0: It really is. And I, I don't yeah, understand it's hard to
1: comprehend. why,
0: it's why yeah. other people are, are, are not more upset about it. I guess maybe they're not upset about it because it's a— uh, you know if it happens to be firearms which is you know what we're talking about and that's what's restricted through google or youtube or facebook or whatever then these people think well you know i'm not really a gun person so it doesn't really apply to me so if they take it away i don't really care but it does you know, apply
1: to you yeah it, it does apply to freedom. you
0: because once they start on that what's next what are they going to decide that they don't like for the rest of us next yeah you know what? what's the next step um Deb, hold with us for another segment. Um, I know you've got a lot more to talk about, so we're interested to hear it. So you guys stay with us. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Bullet Points. I'm your host Tony Ashcraft. Today, joining me, Joanna Wilson, and on the phone, Deb Fern. It's one of the things that I, I found pretty interesting, you, you know, from uh, you really, you know, as in terms of um, if we look at your your shooting experience, and and I'll use the word career. I know that you said you had a you know, you have a day job, but let's just say your your shooting experience as a career is Our passion. Yeah, it's re- it, it's yeah. relatively small time wise. You know, a lot of a lot of people you talk to them, they shoot all their lives, but uh, you know, like we talked about, you got into it late, and uh, but you know, coming from somebody that has never that did not shoot before you turned forty five, to where you're at now, um, all that you've accomplished and all that you've uh, um done and the the relationships that you've made and uh the the knowledge that you've spread what do you think is the in the driving what what do you think is the driving factor for you personally in uh in getting that message out there
2: you know tony um there's a and that this is gonna you know this is gonna be one of those moments where you're like who's this girl talking about okay but there is a calmness that uh, was famous, famous syndicated columnist named Irma Bombeck, okay? Mm-hmm. And Irma Bombeck's long since passed away from a kidney disease, and I read her book years and years ago, and she said in her book, and she said in a, in a, um, a speech I, I actually heard, uh, she said, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would have not a single bit of talent left, and I could say I used everything you gave me. And I think that's where we're at, you know, with me, Tony, um, God gave me a lot of energy. Dad gave me a, a mind for logistics and by that, I mean, logistics to, you know, to uh, my husband calls it logistics of, uh, of shoving 10 pounds of poop in a five pound bag. Okay. So I want life to be, life is about living life. is This is an address rehearsal that you and I enjoy and Joanne are going through. This is about, you know, how many quality experiences can we enjoy while we're here in life? More importantly, what are we leaving behind, Tony? I, I'm a mom with two daughters, right? So I have to sit here and say, if I have not done something in my life to improve what I'm leaving behind for my daughters, and I take Second Amendment, I take all the amendments seriously. Sure. First Amendment, Second Amendment, I take them all seriously. If I'm not leaving something like that behind for my kids so they understand how important all this is, what we're all fighting for, um, then I then as a mom I've done something wrong, I mean we all what happens is we all get so busy Tony that we we just don't you know we don't yep. want to be bothered. Nobody wants to be bothered. Is it easier we, to yeah. put a little boy Joanna? You you've got kids Joanna. Is it easier to put a little boy on Ritalin, or is it easier to take him to a park and just let him run and run and run and run and run? And run? Okay, yep. so I'm, I I got this passion Tony because I think people do not understand how blessed they are to be in this country, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, They don't understand it. And if they did really understand how blessed they were, they'd be very, very reluctant to crap all over the Constitution that has set us up for success, more so than any other country in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think people lose sight of that, that there is a, a lot of opportunity Um, here we are having the freedoms that we do the rights that we do Um, there but people spend a lot of time um, being victims being ungrateful being you know making excuses for for not moving forward and not doing things and um, uh, I want to go back to to what you said about um, about raising children I think that we've talked about this a lot on the show when we talk about uh, uh, school shootings you know Florida recently we can sandy hook columbine i mean you can insert uh school shooting here but um you know every one of these kids you wonder or i wonder at least and i I would suspect other folks do too but but how do these kids get to where they are you know i mean obviously this kid in florida recently may or may not have a had some mental illness issues and that's that's a different thing but you know, these kids just get so bent out no, of shape. But, you know,
2: Tony, it really isn't a different thing. I, you know, we don't have a gun control problem in this country. We have a drug control problem in yes, this country.
1: Yes, I agree. Pharmaceutical problem. Okay, massively. we
2: don't have a gun control problem. It's a drug control problem. Because, you know, of course, every time you have a shooter, uh, Columbine, the Army schoolhouse years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, Virginia Tech, every time you have a shooting, what's the one thing they do with the shooter, dead or alive, Okay, they do a toxicology report on them, right? They pull blood. Sure. There has never been one that doesn't have an, a, a drug abuse problem going on. Mind altering. Psychotropic, yeah. Class A's, mm-hmm. right? I yep. mean, you look at it and you say to yourself, you know, you go back and look at Columbine. And Ritalin was just one of the many cocktails, a class A psychotropic cocktails those boys were on. So I stand by the fact that, you know, when I've done programs where they're really hailing all these, what did you say, white Christian males, right? Right. White Christian males, um, but who's also the ones that can afford to be on psychotropic class A drugs that are producing the mass shooters? Well, it tends not to be the kid from Harlem. I'm I'm just, it tends not always to be the kid from Harlem. Those guys at Columbine, those kids at Columbine were not poor kids.
0: No, and and if we're just talking about That's school shootings, point. I would one hundred percent agree with you, but I am I'm, I'm kind of broad brushing a little bit more. I'm talking about, you know, I'll throw in Chicago as the old go to example and the the lack of respect. Those are those are hood folks up there for sure. And they're not, you know, they're not rich white kids in the suburbs and but they're not shooting up schools, they're shooting up each other. But just as a generalized statement, I think that uh, what I was alluding to was the the lack of values in in kids growing up. You know, parents. It, it's a lot easier to, like you said, you know, put your kids on medication or put your kids in front of the TV or yep. give your kids a cell phone or you know let them turn on Netflix or you know whatever. Anything but being an interactive parent. And and those, yeah. you know, I think as We're we failing as a right, society. Yeah, doing we, that. we truly are because I think as a um, you know with each successive generation of younger parents you lose this ability that with the you would think that as you get older you know you would hope you become wiser you know experience should be our greatest uh, teacher you know failure is our greatest teacher you you learn from the things that uh that do wrong you learn from your life experiences and you you want to to strive and try not to repeat those experiences so as parents we look back a lot of times on what we did or the choices that we made and you know hopefully we teach our kids not to make those same choices you know you always hear the sort of parent cliche i want my kids to have a better life than i did and of course you do we do i mean if you genuinely love your kids and want your kids to to grow up you know you have to instill those values but so many young parents um, you know divorced homes you can you can the, the family unit has just broken down completely, and even the parents that I, I are would, Tony, I
2: would agree with you, and Joanne. I'm you've seen it. I mean, you see it in your in your your kid's school.
1: Yeah. Well, we we actually are homeschool now. So, yeah. I mean, I, I do, it's everywhere. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I I you know Tony, all I remember, and you could laugh at this one. We had a suburban, right? The kids were little. Mm-hmm. I was a Girl Scout leader for eight years. You know, my husband was involved with their soccer team, you know, and their basketball team. And I was the swim team, you know, uh, team manager. But I looked at that, and the joke was that when uh, that I my Suburban would circle Tucson 250 miles a day, taking kids back and forth to activities and, and doing things with the kids. Was it easy? Tony, you know, Joanna? No. Not easy. Mm-mm. None of it's easy, right? Right. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm still waiting for all the easy stuff. Yeah. And then you know, I think that's it's supposed just to come not in you, when I finally get to heaven. Yeah, you, you're I, the doing bottom way line too is much. I think a lot of parents, okay, maybe why don't they spend a little less time on Facebook? Right. Why don't they spend a little less time on YouTube and why don't they take that kid and run that kid?
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh uh, you know, Joanna when I when were talking a few um a few shows ago, you know, she goes out and they go out as, a, her, you know, her and Joe and the kids go out as a family and they practice, they shoot together. And whether it's shooting or whether it's camping or it doesn't matter what you do, anything you do as a family unit, I think, you know, helps bond the family. And shooting, of course, is, uh, in my opinion, a great thing to be doing. So, you know, that's a benefit um, for her and Joe as parents and for the children as well. I take my girls to shoot um, as often as I can and uh they both shoot very well and they both do very well and my wife and i we work hard to be um to be good parents to be interactive parents to set values to to not be our kid's best friend you know and i think uh these younger parents they're just i don't know they're lazy they're lazy Um, their parents didn't do a good job with them they're not going to do a good job with their kids and uh, like I said, with each successive generation, it seems like parents get younger and younger and younger. And I don't know how we get that back. Um, I always think about to you know you hear people make reference to the greatest generation, you know, sort of the the World War II generation. It was my my grandfather. I'm I'm coming up on fifty two now, so my grandfather was a a World War II vet. And to to see what my grandfather did with what little he had, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about just he was he was a man of very little, but he accomplished a great many things in his life. And I remember, you know, watching him growing up and what he taught us, and you know how my it, that carried over to um, uh, to my mother and father growing up. And uh, and I'm I'm you know pushing that towards my children as I'm raising them. But golly man, these parents today they just uh, it's it, it is it is mind boggling. I, I just don't understand. Um, no,
2: I think we can turn it. I really do, Tony. I think we can turn it. Um, I just think it really takes a lot of effort and a lot of self-sacrifice, which doesn't give sure. anybody anybody's um, a key thing. Um, Joanna and I've been friends for a while, and I tell her all the time. You know, it's it's amazes me where um, people wait to be invited to especially women wait to be invited to the gun range right um they wait to be involved and when we get them to the gun range tony so i'm not going to give up on those young moms Absolutely I'm not.
0: Not. joining us on the line deb fern deb um you were talking a little bit in the break um about uh, you know we, we're, well let me back up a little bit further we were talking in the last segment or, or i was anyway about um about parenting and instilling some of the values in uh, yep. in some of our our younger parents and and younger moms specifically. But uh, you uh, you said something very interesting in the break, and I wanted you to to share that with our listeners.
2: Well, what happened? Uh, just to back up a little bit, Tony, and this is one of the ways Joanne and I met uh, when we started Bays with Bullets in 2004. Um, I I never thought. I would ever be involved in media. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I just was never my forte, okay? Then in 2009, we started the Basel Bullets pretty much as a group. I said, listen, we're going to start Women's Outdoor Media Association to get more stories about women um, in mainstream media. And uh, so in 2009, so now it's nine years old, and then a few years ago, Joanna and I and a bunch of women from the industry Said, how can we do an event, Tony, that would reach women and how they educate their children? So we developed through the Women's Outdoor Media Association. We developed a program called She Never Quit, and what it is about—the one that we're doing this coming October—is about um, like sponsoring something like the Foundation of Women Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost a thousand women in that group, and the majority of those women in that group are single moms. And not all single moms, Tony, young single moms that are all military vets, right? I want to see those young moms not struggle so hard to do the right thing by their kids. Sure. And you know, to do that, you know, money makes the world go around not telling you and Joanne anything you don't know, right? right? So if the event we do for She Never Quit generates, say eight or ten thousand dollars in charity dollars. And we put those charity dollars to where it's going to work the best for, you know, like the foundation of women warriors. That's a huge, huge uh, deal to them. I mean, it might not be a huge deal to some of the other wounded warrior groups, but it's a huge deal to a woman's group. Yes. And our deal is if we could take these dollars and teach these moms and help these moms be better moms. Um, help these women have better lives as they have they come out of the armed services and are getting back into mainstream. 72% of those women we're talking about are single moms, right? Let, let's do something that makes a difference in a young mom's life so she knows she can come with her kid to range day. And let's make it where it's safe, where it's fun, where it's an experience for everybody. And if she's got sisters she wants to bring with her and they've got kids that they want to bring junior kids, they want to bring for a safe environment at the range. Why aren't we doing more of that, Tony?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, we've said as much here that I think that there are women out there that want to get into shooting, you know, maybe not competitive shooting, but, you know, just something as, as simple as a license to carry, and they have no idea where to start, no to idea where it. to go, yeah. you know, or how to do it, how to even begin to do it. And you, well, know. you know,
2: Tony, when you've got listeners and they come to me through uh, BabesWithBullets.com, I answer all the contacts through, you know, that website, BabesWithBullets.com, and you got to do the with you know, W-I-T-H. Um, I can leave, you know, they just need to tell me what area of the U.S. they live in. We'll tell them about the camps we've got. We'll tell them about the scholarships we offer through Smith & Wesson and High viz um, uh, front sites for women that are in need, but more importantly, we could also share with them some other women's groups that are in their area, because almost every woman's group started through Bays with Bullets alum starting something in their hometown. Sheila McKinney's not that different, yep. if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I've got resources we can share with them. Uh, Joanne and I together, we've got resources we can share with them, so they can go into a non-threatening environment. Nobody signed up for the Marines right, right away, okay? Let them go into a non-threatening environment and figure out if they can't just safely and securely figure out a way to get their hands um, around the firearms and do a little firearms training. Because if you educate the mom, Tony,
1: you educate the whole family. I agree. I agree 100%. If you can get her on board, you got it. <laughs>
0: yeah, there you go. And that's a, uh, I think that's a, a comfortable environment uh, for a lot of the ladies. I think that's that, to me... Uh, would be the single most important thing I, I would I would think as a woman looking to get into this. You're not going to ask a guy for help because girls never ask guys for help, uh, and when they do, no matter how we try to help them, we can't do it right. So uh, I think yeah, sometimes I mean, we
2: don't all speak the same lingo.
0: But
1: <laughs> no, from being married and having
2: daughters.
0: That, that's right. That's right. I have no idea what's going. But on But what's in my cool house. is
1: to see these environments they're being created for women and they're growing and. Deb is a huge person behind all of this. She's a huge organizer with Babes with Bullets. She never quit. You now have your hunting for Lace. Uh, it's called Lace, right? Yep. Um, and there are there yep. any other Jen organizations? Lace.com. It's Demental Women in the
2: Hunting Field.
1: And the WOMA, the Women's Outdoor Media Association, that's promoting all of the women out there um, getting involved. So, I mean, yep. you're going after it. You know, articles like well, Forbes.
2: needs to, and it's never an I and team, is it, Tony? And, and, and no. Never an I and team. It's no. all of us working together. Yes, to make I agree. Sure that this big chunk of population, which is men, want to take their kids to the range.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it. It. Um, it there this should be. I mean, there's no reason that that women shouldn't be able to participate in shooting sports just as much as men do. Other than, like I said, I think there's this inherent this sort of imaginary barrier that women have because, um, you know, they, they think that it's a guy's only thing. And,
1: there's some intimidation. Right, there's some intimidation they don't know exactly there. what they're doing. And sure,
0: and they're definitely not going to listen to, to their uh, husbands when it comes to... Some do. To, some, some do. Well, when you find one, bring her on the show. <laughs> Because I want to meet this mythological creature that listens to her husband. <laughs> crazy talk, crazy talk. Well Deb, is there anything when, uh, we got about 30 seconds left? Um, uh, I want to make sure that uh, no, that everybody um, listens.
2: Uh, is a good place for them to start. Um, we're all females teaching you know females. And so you know we're a good spot to start and then Joanna and I will be um, at the next she never quit event, which will be October. Um, through uh, tenth? Eight through the 10th 8th through the 11th And Joanna that's back with Marcus and Melanie with Trell's Ranch back in Texas again that's awesome, awesome.
0: okay we're going to take all your information we're going to post it to uh to our Facebook site so that uh, our listeners can have access to it. But listen, Deb, I, I want to thank you very much for being on here and you, sharing uh, your experience with us. Well, thank guys, you
2: so much, Tony. Thanks, Joanna. Absolutely. Yes, it was great guys, talking to you. that's
0: it. We got to wrap it up. But join us next Tuesday, 3 p.m., right here on Vinyl Draft Radio for bullet points. More Second Amendment talk coming your way.